We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You want to follow me on Twitter? And it's Tuesday, June 13th. And we'll be answering your questions as I always do here, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern here. Good morning to the, uh, the, the, the early birds in the chat. The YouTube chat, give me the thumb, thummy thumbs, give me the thummy thumbs, give me the subscribey scribes. Giving, give, give me everything. Give me everything. Give me your money, right? Enter my contest with bad lineup so you can just give me your money or some part, part, a portion of your money, a portion. But hopefully, if you're tuning in, if you're tuning into this show, uh, I'm going to teach you how to do that less and less. So I'm pretty much making it so you're not giving me your money in the DFS contests. We had James on yesterday for on Mondays. Friday, we got uh, got the MMA stuff the first look we actually have a decent card 14 fights ads said like I'm, I'm expecting three to be canceled as the, for some odd reason that's what ends up happening but hopefully we keep the 14 fights 
We'll be talking about that on Friday. Tomorrow, there is no show. You will not see a thumbnail, or if you do, it'll be taken down. Uh, I got my uh, my monthly doctor's appointment that I need to go to. And of course, I just like with dentists, like my dentist, like they, they, they close at like two. And my doctor, my rheumatologist, they close at three. What's up with that? What's up? And people want people that they open at six or seven in the morning and then they close at three instead of doing it the other way. I, I live on the other schedule. I stay up late. I stay up until one, two in the morning. Right. So, so I don't wake up until nine, 10 o'clock. No, that's like halfway through these people's day. Why can't you just open, open, open at 10 and close at six? That's much better for my schedule. But I guess people, I guess normal people, I guess normal people. They get up early and they go, okay, I'm going to go to the dentist before I go to work. Like that type of thing. But but whatever. It doesn't suit me, but uh, that means I got to take a day off tomorrow. So no show tomorrow. But as always, when it's not Monday, when it's not Friday, when they, we don't have an MLB early slate, you know, when Dean comes in and we do Grinders Live, I answer your questions. You send them in. Send them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. I know sometimes I don't get I don't get to them for for weeks at a time, but uh, but we cover them on the show. I use them as the fuel on what you want to know. Even though sometimes a lot of times I repeat myself a lot, right? You could probably go back a couple of months, a couple of weeks, and find you know the answers to the same questions. But that's fine. It's unstructured learning. If they maybe hey, maybe you just found maybe you just found the show. Maybe you just found the show a couple of weeks ago. You don't know. You're not going to go through the back catalog of 450 episodes and find the nuggets that you need. Well, we try to make it easier. We we label most of the shows, so you can search for topics like that. But uh, but uh, if you want structured learning, if you want more structured learning, but just learn everything all in one shot, get the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. How to Think Like a Professional DFS Player, the Fundamentals Masterclass, 15 hours of audio. And when you're done with that, go to the Theory of DFS for advanced players. How to apply those profitable DFS strategies in your games with a systematic, repeatable, time-efficient process. Ten chapters of audio, including James McCool's custom Microsoft Excel tools, which we've shown off on this show before. But get your questions in. If you want your questions answered, obviously you could show up you know, in the YouTube chat. I'll answer people's questions in the YouTube chat. That's fine. But as far as like, you know, an overall, an overall like topics that we cover, like today we're going to, today we're going to talk about ownership some, okay? And we're going to go a little bit back to basics, right? This is covered in the Fundamentals Masterclass, the difference between ownership sum and ownership product, the purpose of that, how do you judge a lineup? Because remember, if you're not new to the show, we, we talk, we, we're, we're talking about lineups, not players, Right, you play lineups in contests. You don't play players. Who do I play? It's like, no, what lineups do I play? You can play whoever you want. I mean, within some reason, right? Some. I mean, someone that is gonna play at least. Uh, it's just how do you build the lineup around that player? So you can play a one percent on player, but that will now change your decisions in the other spots in your lineup. The better way to look at it is looking at a lineup as a whole. So you're not just like plugging in this guy and then going, well, I'm plugging in that guy and then I'm plugging in this guy. That's why using a tool like Lineup HQ here at Roto-Grinders, which you'll get if you're a premium member, right? One of the best tools on the market for optimization and lineup building. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. You'll get all of our projections also, which is you need you need those numbers. 
right? You need a way to turn player names into numbers and then organize the numbers better than your opponents. So we'll talk about ownership some. I see in the in the chat, MLB seems to have hit the point in the season where the fish are clearing out. With the NBA done, will there be a new influx? I don't. I'm not necessarily sure about that. I mean, MLB is not that casual friendly. I would say. I'd say MLB, out of like the major sports, is the one that I would say has a limited amount of truly horrible players. I know baseball is a little bit more for an older audience, I guess, right? They don't get that many young, new people into the game as far as watching it on TV. And maybe they're speeding up the game a bit this year, so that, that'll help. But I think you know, NFL, number one by far, right? Then NBA, and then there's a step down for, for MLB. The types of people that you know are playing a 14-game MLB slate on a Tuesday night, much less, I think, much less so from a from a Joe Schmo making a lineup on their toilet type of perspective than you know even the NBA playoffs, right? I just think I think it's 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 more uh, appealing to the audience that is more likely to be playing daily fantasy sports. I think that's that's the reason. But still, there's still plenty of edge in MLB. I mean, that's it's one of the main reasons why I really rarely have have played MLB cash games. It's like, because now you get the segment of a segment, right? You already have, you know, less bad players playing MLB. And the types of people that are attracted to double ups are typically the sharper players to begin with. But yeah, but it, 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 it's, uh, I mean, I've been playing for almost eight years now. And it's it's pretty, from a directional standpoint, it's pretty accurate to say that the beginnings of seasons has the most amount of casual interest. And as that goes on and on, it goes down and down. But you can monitor that in your contests, right? Download those CSVs, take a look at the lineups, compare the ownership, compare the projections of the lineups and see how more and how, how less or less or more and more people, what percentage of the field. The two, the two, the, the two things that I look at when I, look at the like the strength of a field predominantly is the number of 150 maxers so how what percentage of the contest is lineups that are from a user that has submitted 150 lineups so for instance there's let's say there's 10,000 entries i mean just using a a, a a bare basic example just a dummy example so let's say there's 10,000 entries in a contest and there's 10 people that 150 max so that's 1,500 lineups. So 15% of the contest would be 150 maxers. So let's say that number was 32,000. That 32% would be 150 maxers. So comparing that to, if, if obviously, you're playing large field. If you're playing the 20 max, how many people play 20 lineups? The, the people that play more lineups tend to be sharper. I mean, it doesn't mean all of them are, but you know, it's, it's hard to play 150 lineups a day and survive without being good. So yeah, I guess you on a given day, you may get one or two people that are really, they're not going to survive. You ain't going to see them in a year with them playing like that. But for the most part, 150 maxers are stronger players. Then the other thing to look at, regardless of ownership, is just the projections of the lineups. Okay? Because like some of the really bad lineups are really low projected. I mean, in comparison to what they should be. 
You'll see lineups in NBA that are 50 points lower projected than any of your lineups, any of them, right? How, what percentage of the field is that? Regardless if they're all 1% on players, who cares about leverage at this point? But typically the types of types of players that play lineups that are very, very lower, much lower projected than they should be for a contest are bad players. So in NBA, you may find at a certain threshold, 5% of lineups, 7% of lineups. That, you know, the optimal is 285. You're playing lineups in the, you know, on the spectrum of the, the 262 to 274 range. And there are lineups in there with a 240 projection, with a 235 projection. It's like those, no matter what the ownership is, it just, it's so low that, yeah, even when they do get leverage, they may still not get the first place. So how many of those lineups? Typically, those are people that don't use projections. They they didn't play two of the absurd value plays. You know, those types of lineups. Those are the really bad lineups. Those are the lineups that give up 2x, 3x, 4x the rake. You want to judge those. Okay, how, how strong is the contest from that standpoint? MLB is a little bit harder because obviously you could give up a lot more projection in MLB than you could in NBA. But maybe you're counting the lineups. You're in a large field contest. Count the lineups that don't have at least a four-man stack in the lineup, right? Because, I mean, there are four, three, one lineups that are fine. I mean, there, there's plenty. There, hey, there are three-man, two-man. There are those types of lineups that are plus EV. There's just not as many of them available. But if you just said, okay, how, what percentage of the field there's 150 maxes. Okay. What percentage of the field is not using at least four players from one team? And you may find in some MLB contests that that's 15% of the field. Okay. So judge that now a month from now and then two months from now and then whenever. And you can see by the end of the season, a lot of times that those numbers, the, the, the bad player numbers start going down and the percentage of 150 maxers that make up a contest start going up. That's also do a lot of times to the, the sites uh, resizing contests that you'll start in the beginning of the season. You'll see, you know, $15, 30,000 entries. And then halfway through the season, it'll be $18, 22,000 entries. And then you see towards the end of the season, maybe it's $22 and 16,000 entries. And a lot of the 150 maxers are 150 maxing regardless. And by the end of the season, 57% of the contests are 150 maxers. Versus the earlier in the season, maybe it was only 24%. So to me, that's 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 a it's still a blunt way to judge, but it's some way to judge on are are the are the contests getting harder and harder? Right? And remember, we, we talked about this with where the money comes from. I'm much more I'm much more concerned about the really bad players than the really good ones. I don't mind playing a contest that 60% of the field is 150 maxers. If 20% of the field are really bad players, right? I don't mind that as much. If 25% of the field is 150 maxers, but only like 7% are really bad players, then, then you have a lot of mediocre stuff in the middle. Like that may be fine also. But those those are the blunt ways, to me at least, of judging, you know, wherever the fish gone, Right. We don't want to call them fish, right? They're not watching the show. The fish aren't watching the show. They got gills. They don't have they, they go around their tank. They got eyes on two sides, whatever. They're not watching this. They ain't watching this. 
But we did have a question come in from uh, Jason McGuffey. Hi, Blender. I was wondering what is a good maximum ownership percentage for golf? Or what is the calculation to determine that? I remember you saying that 125% was a good one for football classic. I don't know if I, I don't quote me on that. I said bluntly, maybe on a specific slate. Sure, maybe. But that is a nine positions with positions limiting the field, et cetera. In a more open field sport like golf with no positions and six lineup spots. How does that work? Okay. First off, first off, remember, remember the two, the two, the two things, the two things, you know, you're asking a bad question, right? Or you're, you're, you haven't, you haven't gotten it. You haven't gotten the the general concepts of DFS yet. Macro, that if you're asking a question that has a yes or no answer or an answer that has an exact number, that means you're not, you're not thinking, you're not thinking like a professional DFS player. You're not thinking in the right mindset. So like, what is a good maximum ownership percentage for golf? Well, there is no number. There's no correct answer for that. Okay. You couldn't apply that to every slate. Oh, 100 on any slate. Like, no, that, that, that wouldn't be true. Okay. Secondly, is that ownership sum is, is, is it's a, it's blunt to begin with, right? There are some lineups that have a 108% ownership sum that are negative EV, and there are maybe another lineup with an exact same ownership sum of 108 and B plus EV, depending on the combinations of players in your lineup and the combinations of the field in their lineup. I mean, I'm going by technicality here. So simply put, you can't just have like, oh, I just, I just, I just look for this range of ownership. Because the slate size matters also. The options matter also an invitational in, in golf with like 24 golfers in the field i mean obviously with so few options most of the golfers are going to be way more owned than you would in a 156 player field right uh, from a golf event not the contest size then on on that aspect it depends on like how much value like projection value there rory mcelroy is min priced well, there's going to be 40-something percent owned. Like we see on these basketball slates where, you know, 17 people are out and there's all these value, you know, there's three or four guys that are going to be like 40, 50% owned. It's like, like yeah, the the, the, the optimal the, the optimal ownership sum for the optimal lineup is like 300. Yet on another slate with very efficient pricing, with like almost no value, everything, everyone's like, okay, that, that's what they should be priced. The optimal would be like 110. So imagine going in and saying, this is this is this is the number, and every day I stick to that number. You can't. If anything, you're gonna be using it relatively, relatively against something, some baseline. Now, one of the baselines, like in an MLB in any sport, the baseline on whatever your projected like optimal is. So for instance, I pulled up our PJ projections for the US Open. Which is timely. We're talking about golf, right? U.S. Open is coming up on Thursday. So our projected optimal right now, based on our current projections, Fowler, Fleetwood, Rose, M, Hatton, Shoffley. Okay? 18%, 22, 17, 7, 20, 23. So an ownership sum of 110. Okay? So if you want to use that as a baseline of like, well, 
If I play a lineup at 110%, I'm playing a lineup that seems that it's going to be way too high on. Now, that number on a different slate could be 170. On another slate could be 85. It's like if you can want to use it as a baseline. Now, in a sport like MLB, where correlation matters a lot more, you're pretty much building five-man stacks, four-man stacks. You're building lineups like that. The optimal lineup that has eight one-offs in it, you could still use as a baseline, but it's is it a really a true baseline for a GPP? So it's quite possible in MLB, the optimal, the highest median projected lineup, based on your projected, right, projections, maybe 110%, you know, 4, 416 as a projection. But once you limit it to five-band stacks, that projection comes down four or five points. So the highest median projected five-man stack lineup is you know if the, the in baseball if it, the, your optimal, no matter what, unstacked was one twenty four, but stacked was one nineteen. Then you use one nineteen maybe as a baseline. So you just you're just finding a baseline, and then you're trying to look for lineups in concept, macro wise, that have the highest projection for the lowest ownership. And as you go down in projection, you should also be going down in ownership. As a broad concept, if you think in those terms. So, for instance, here in the golf, we have 110% owned lineup. Projected median 416. If you could find a lineup that was 416 that was only 90% owned, that would be a better lineup than this. Right? Oh, same projection, but like 20% less ownership. Like, that benefits you. You're, you're getting, you're getting, free, you're getting it for free. You're getting it for nothing. As you shed ownership and gain leverage, your projection should go down, right? Unless it's wildly inefficient, unless the field is playing wildly inefficiently. So as it goes down, you have to determine. There's no there's no correct answer. You have to determine whether or not enough projection, you know, if if you shed two percentage points in projection, in uh in ownership on this lineup, and you have to sacrifice 40 points of median. Like I, that's probably too much, right? For only two percentage points of ownership. That's probably too much. Is it? I don't know. I can't say exactly. You'd have to run simulations to see, but most probably, I can almost guarantee you that it's too much. Okay, so using ownership sum, right? Defix says uh, I use a percentage of max ownership sum possible and modify it based on games on the slate. Yeah, I mean, essentially what I said before. But obviously on smaller slates or whatever, the ownership number is going to be much higher that you're using as a baseline. But this is the main reason why I can't just give you a number. There's no number. 125, there's no, there's no number. Now you may see that similar size slates like in golf, if you're just constantly playing 155, 156, whatever player type, you know, events. And the pricing is not like, there's no like, egregious pricing mistakes you may find that most of the time the optimal lineup somewhere in, you know around 120 or something like that you, you may that doesn't mean you apply it to every slate because you some slate the masters right the masters has a smaller field and like 20 or 30 of the golfers are almost like throw out right the old people they well, used to win right they get invited you're probably not playing them Right, so the owner that that baseline ownership number for the optimal, the highest median projected lineup is going to be higher. 
showdown. It may be even higher than that. You know, the round two showdown contest. It may be higher than that. Travis Selby asks if I, I mentioned to James about going to update the DFS tools once you get back from vacation. Any updates? Not as of now, but I mean, we'll be talking this month about add, adding some upgrades. I mean, they're fine the way they are, right? You could still use them. But I think there's some some functionality to make it a little bit easier, some uh, some display things. They're not issues. You just, I use the tools. I mean, this is kind of how it works. I use the tools and I go, you know, it would be easier if this was over there. And then I jot it down and I say, okay, let's get together with James and let's, let's make it happen. And then other people email in email James, and they go, oh, I would love to have it if it was this. I would love to say, and then we go through them and go, which would be the most useful for the bulk of people? But the functionality of the tools aren't going to, I don't see changing much. I don't think either we'd be adding a new tool or anything like that. It's just make, making the ones that are currently there much more efficient and and, and make it so that it, that it shows information in a way that you can make decisions quicker. Neil Jaworski says the duplication predictor tool gone. No, it, sh- it should be there. I use it. Duplication prediction is very similar to ownership sum. So in the in the in the theory of DFS, the fundamentals masters, how to think like a professional DFS player. We talked about the difference between ownership sum and ownership product. Okay. Because let's say, for instance, we're going to look at this lineup right here. Fowler, Fleetwood, Rose, M, Hatton, Shoffley. Okay? It contains, it's a 50K lineup, 110% ownership. Some. Right? If I take out M at 7.8% owned, and I put in, let's say, okay, 7.8% owned. Let's see. Can we find someone in quarter? 5.4. Okay, let's put him back. So I'm going to go down in ownership. I mean, I I still want to use a sort of 50K lineup. But let's just say we put in Tom Kim there, right? Okay. So the ownership went down, what, like 2% or so? 403, right? Obviously, we dropped a whole bunch of projection points. But the difference between that, it's, it's like, oh, 2% difference in ownership sum could have a much more dramatic effect on the combinatorics of your lineup versus other players' lineups. So I, I showed this. that This is the example from the course, right? A very blunt way of comparing lineups to each other as far as, you know, duplication. And do you have enough leverage? Essentially, do I have enough leverage? Am I am I low owned enough? I say in the course, multiply the ownership numbers of every player in your lineup. So here we have Fowler, eighteen percent. I'm I'm going to cut off the the decimals just to make it quicker. Eighteen percent, twenty two percent, seventeen percent. Sung J M was seven percent. Hatton, 20%. Shoffley, 23%. So if you put it in, right, 
all these numbers, and then you multiply it by the field size. So this the, this current large field for the U.S. Open is 142,000 or so. I think 340 something, whatever. 142,000. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So when you do that, you get the number of 3.078. So like given with not considering correlation or anything or common and nothing, you just multiply these numbers and then multiply it by the field. You should expect on average three lineups to be, to that be, to be represent three lineups in the contest. Now with that, with the amount of options that you can choose from in golf, if, if you're dupl- if you're getting duplicated, like that's, that's not a good thing. Right, there's enough options that you that you should be you shouldn't be playing lineups that are being duped. So this expects to be duped 3.078 times, disregarding correlation and any other variables. Okay, and this is when you use ownership product. So ownership product, right? The ownership product of this is is 2.167704 times 10. It's 0.0000216 whatever. Right. Then if we multiply it by the field size, you got 3.078. Let's say we take Sunjay M 7% and make it 5%. You've just like, like eliminated an entire lineup with two percentage points, right? On that one player of 7%. Let's say we took out, instead of this 22% on player, we took out and replaced them with a 20% on player. You see, we have left 2.79. There's way more combinations of this than there are once you have the 5% on player. 2.79 versus 2.19. Even though the ownership sum, we're just dropping it 2%. Right? So that original lineup, 3.07, right? We got it right here. The ownership product of this original, right? This original highest optimal projected lineup. Let's say you drop 10, let's say you drop 6%. Let's call it six. 
You go down to 104, right? There's a big difference between changing the 23% owned player to a 17% owned player. All right, that's six percentage points in ownership, right? So the sum is 104, right? But the product, what you account for the field size, 2.27. Let's take the same 6% off of the 7% old guy. Look at what we're down. We're dramatically less. 0.439. Same ownership sum, 104. But the ownership product of this lineup is much lower because we have a 1% tone player. The, the amount of combinations and lineups of, that are going to be played with a 1% on player in a 142,000 person field. And we were talking about what? 1,420 lineups versus seven times that. Seven times that for the Sun JMs, the 7% on player. This is why ownership product is is more precise than ownership sum. Ownership sum is better than nothing. It's blunter. It's typically integrated into tools like lineup HQ and not ownership product. So it isn't it isn't the most precise, but it's better it's it's better than judging it with no numbers. Defix says ownership product requires a lot more manual work or pre-formatted sheet to calculate it for multiple lineups, right? Because most, most builder tools use ownership sum and not ownership product. I, I've, I've suggested to the development team that they do add ownership product to lineup HQ. Where you can display either. And it doesn't have to be point oh 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 oh. We can just, we can make it so that ownership product, you know, times 10 to the minus fifth or whatever, just have it like that. So you have something to compare it to that way. So you don't look at lineups that have 100, oh, 104% owned. But dramatically, one can one one could end up easily be four times more owned than the other line. Even at the same ownership sum. But once you find a baseline, I mean, this is the, this is the, the general concept. This applies to all sports. And not cash games. Cash games, you don't care about ownership. You just, you want the highest medium projection. In GPPs, you want to share the least amount of points with your opponents while still having a high projected lineup that is owned the least, right? You want it to be owned the least. Because the points that you get that your opponents get, don't get, are worth more to you. That's the concept of relative value. That's also in the course. So if you did build lineups, I mean, we, we've shown this process before that if I just, I'm just going to randomly build lineups. Just whatever, 20, I don't know. Right? So you can see here, here's the opt. Here's that median optimal lineup. 416. 416. 416, right? We go down like this. Like as you go down, right? We take a look at these two lineups. Here's a lineup that projects for 414. Here's a lineup that also projects at 414, right? 0.77, The difference of 0.2, not much. One lineup is 79% owned in sum. 
And one lineup is 108% owned in some. Well, I mean, if you had to play one of these two lineups, I mean, obviously you play the first one. Why would you play a line? Why would you play a lineup that is projected the same at 30, well, nearly 30 percentage points more in ownership? You want to play the highest projected lineups for the lowest ownership. That's what you're looking for. You also don't want to play the highest, highest owned lineups. And you also don't want to play the lowest, lowest projected lineups. It's like, hey, I found a lineup with six players that are all 0.5% owned. It's a total lineup ownership. The ownership sum is four. What the hell is the projection? Are you giving up like 70 points in medium projection in golf? That's like missing a golfer in your lineup. Those lineups are just too low projected. And you don't want to play the optimal. You don't want to play the lineup that most probably is going to be duped at least three times. Right? So you want to cut off that top and cut off the bottom. So looking through, you would look through and go, what lineups project the best for the least ownership? And these are ownership subs, which is which is blunt, but still effective. Be much better off if we saw the ownership product instead. A lineup with the lowest owned player being 9% versus the lowest owned player being 7% or 60, two, two single-digit owned, right, players. The combinatoric, the comb- combinational, whatever you want to call it, ownership is going to be lower. The ownership product will be lower. So if you if you had to judge between two lineups at 87% ownership, maybe both, both could be plus EV. Which one would be better, higher EV than the other? The one with the lower ownership product. That's why you see, you see, like you could play, I'm going to play 350% owned guys. It's like, oh, how do you do that? Well, well, you have to play them with like a 3% on this and a 1% on that. So you get the ownership product down. The ownership sum could actually be quite high, but the product could be quite low. So when people say, "Oh, you can't," you, "Oh, you can't possibly play the two, three chalkiest players together." You, of course you can. It's just that you have to make up for the you know the duplicative effect of so many lineups that look like that by even lower owned players in the other spots. And then you'd be like, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade all three fifty percent owned players." It's like, well, your ownership product, your ownership sum could actually be higher than those lineups. It's just that you have 20% on this guy and 18% on that guy and 16. You have no single-digit owned players, and that lineup actually is plus EV. It has a higher ownership sum than the other one, but its ownership product is lower because it doesn't have three 50% owned players. In it. it has just a bunch of 10 to 20% owned players. It's quite possible both lineups could be fine. But this is how you would judge based on ownership sum. If you want to disregard ownership product at all, that's fine. I'm just, this is blunter. You may see lineups here that are 88% owned and you have 10 different lineups that are 88% owned. It's like, well, I only want to play one of them. If they're all projected the same and they're all 88% owned, most likely they're all going to be fine. Some may be better than others just on the basis of ownership product. That would be a more precise way. The goal here in DFS, 
when using blunt tools is to be as precise as you can with blunt methodologies. Do you have a way to, do you, do you, do you, do you have a way of programming this all out? Do you have a way of building an algorithm to do all this for you? To run in the background and go through all combinations and simulations? No, you don't. So you have to rely on more blunt methodologies. So your goal isn't either, I either I'm totally accurate or I don't play. Well, you're never going to get there. Even 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 programming and simulations aren't aren't a hundred percent accurate. Not even close. And also, it's on the basis of the numbers that are here. Justin Rose, seventy percent. That's projected ownership. Maybe he ends up coming in at twenty-two percent. Maybe he ends up coming in at ten percent. That's going to dramatically change what the lineups you would have played had you have known that. And that's one of the better ways of judging your play. Take a look at the actuals, the actual ownership, and go, had I known this, would I have played lineups that are similar to the ones that I have played? If the answer is yes, then it doesn't matter if you came in last place. What are you going to do? <coughs> but I think we'll call, we'll call this episode, we'll go ownership sum, is that ownership sum and product? Ownership sum and why not? We're throwing in another, another keyword. Right, ownership sum and product, just in case people people are searching. Remember, product is more precise, sum is more blunt, but both are better than you not doing any of this. And it's not, and even product is nowhere near precise. Even even you're not even doing any type of programming. The duplication checker slash predictor that we have in uh, theory of DFS for advanced players. Like James has it that it also normalizes for salary. Like a 50K lineup is much more likely to be duplicated regardless of its ownership product compared to a $48,000 lineup with the same ownership product. Because people are more likely to play and spend most of their salary. So that, that, that logic is in that tool. Is it precise? No, it's not precise. Of course not. But it's more precise than what you're currently doing, probably. And your goal is to get from the more blunt to the more precise. There are people out there that don't use projections at all. They just, I don't know, wing it. I think this guy's going to do well. Those That's the most blunt way of doing something. You know what? That's a bit... That, that's a better way of doing it than banging your head against the keyboard or randomly picking people. Sure. Randomly picking people by banging your head against the keyboard is the bluntest way of making a lineup. Right? You know what's blunter than that? What's more precise than that? Actually thinking about, oh, this guy may do well today. Is that the most precise? No, nowhere close. You'd rather have, uh, you'd rather have a reasonable projection model. That's going to be much, much more precise than you just winging it off the top of your head. So many people get to the point where it's like, what's the bet? What's the most? If I can't, if I, if I can't have a time machine, I ain't going to play like that. You're never going to get there. Anus Comedy says, I feel like golf plays closer to MLB in the sense that a media projection means less due to the guys missing the cut. That's correct. Median projections in golf. I mean, we talked about this yesterday a little bit with James. 
Because golf players don't have normal distributions. They, they their, their distributions are much more bimodal. You have the dick. You basically have two different distributions. You have a distribution when if they miss the cut, and distribution if they make the cut. And you'll get like two humps. So using just the median, the median actually isn't isn't a likely outcome. You're much more likely in, in golf to get have players that have 30s and 70s rather than people that have like 52, like something in the middle. I mean, it happens, but I mean, it's in order to get that, like you basically have to make the cut and then die. Right? You make the oh, they this guy made the cut and then shot like plus 13 the last two rounds. Like something like that. And then you also have like the 20s, 25s. Like there's no one that made the cut that like has 25. Like they would have to shoot plus 70. I mean, like it would be stupid. I mean, how do you make the make the cut and end up with a lower score than someone that didn't even play round three and four, right? So the distributions will look different. Can you use the median projection to judge lineups? Yes, you can. But it, in golf, it wouldn't be the most precise. Still be a blunt way of doing it. Better than nothing. Better than not having any median projections at all. And just, I think this guy's going to do well. Off the top of my head, winging it. But yes, it's very similar to MMA. Like you see MMA median projections. It's like even more bimodal. Like this guy is going to score five or he's going to score 95. There are two distinct humps. But it's rare that some of those types of guys score 54 points. But you can still use the median projection. I just it's like it's it's something. It's better than nothing. If you have any questions about any of this, obviously send them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. Any questions about ownership? like we talked about today, projections. Lineup builder tools, using a lineup HQ. I can help you with that if you're struggling. If you're a premium member, you could join in on uh, my Discord channel, the Roto-Grinders Discord. I do probably two, maybe sometimes three coaching calls, private group coaching calls a month. We don't record them. Just basically shoot the shit. Share screens. Go in depth on stuff. Ask me whatever you want. We go through whatever. We have group conversations sometimes. We did last week. So I'd love for you to join. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month of Roto Grinders Premium by doing so. JWHS, Jordan, how much more minus EV would it be for me to open my DK app and click buttons haphazardly for golf? And for me to build with optimizer sims, etc. Well, I would think dramatically so. Now, obviously, the variance in, in DFS is absurdly high. But if you were to judge over the sc- scope of hundreds, if not thousands, of slates, I think clicking buttons like a crazy person would be uh, not profitable in comparison to actually actually considering all of this, right? By playing well. Yeah, I, I would guess. On any given slate, sure, yeah. Dude, someone can bang their head. Dude, we see lineups all the time. Like, how did this person come up with that lineup? Bang their head against the keyboard. It happens. 
And when it wins, it wins. Okay, it won. It's negative EV. It won, but it's, uh, it's not going to win for another million years. I mean, so don't don't get don't get dissuaded by like, oh well, any lineup could win. It's like yeah, you're right. A meteor could hit the Earth tomorrow. We could all die. Well, what's the probability of that happening? It's not zero, but I mean, it's not high. But just because I, just because I, the probability of something being not high. Right? You're betting a 20-sided die, but you're only getting paid five to one. Like you're gonna go broke betting like that. But you could you could still sit down and go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I guess I guess 14. But then come out and it comes out 14, and you get paid five bucks on your dollar. Oh yeah, you could win. But in the long run, you're 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 just gonna be bleeding money. JWH asks, what do you think about golf odds for mismake cut now that they are double-sided? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could use them. I mean, it's kind of fact that's kind of factored or that's technically factored into the median projection. Obviously, golfers that are more likely to make the cut will have higher median projections. But yes, uh, two side two-sided markets are going to be much are typically going to be much more efficient. Than one-sided markets, it's just all even. But even golf props, they're they're not the most liquid markets to begin with. They're not like small markets, but they're not they're not the most. They're not sides totals. They're not you know NFL sides and totals are liquid markets. NBA sides and totals are liquid markets. Some of these some of these props are not the most reliable, but it's it's something. It's better it's it's better than nothing. Okay, hit that thumbs up button. Hit the like button on your way out the door. Remember, I won't be here tomorrow. Got a doctor's appointment, but I will be back Thursday. And just like Jason did, he sent this in May 3rd. So this was over a month ago. I keep them in my inbox. Send them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. I, I answer, I pretty much answer them all. Or sometimes I see some some that that pile up that are similar to each other, and then I cover it all, and then it's like I will reply back at any time. See, it's May third. I'll even reply back live, right to Jason, right. So you didn't even have to tune in, right? It'd be like I asked a question, and who knows when it gets covered? Okay, I talked, I answered this. I could just say I answered this on today's show, so you, so you know. I'll even get back to you, Sam, so that you know, oh, today's show, let me go watch. So you don't have to be here every day. I'd love for you to be here every day. But some of you aren't. Some of you aren't, uh, you know, Suki Singh and Wataz and Defect. The regulars here. But if you're not a regular, subscribe. Be a regular. Hit that notification bell. We have tons of stuff on, on, on the Roto-Grinders channel, right? We got Will's show before me. The, the Pick'em Show, we got Grinders Live for Baseball, we got golf stuff, we got tons of stuff here. So stay, enjoy yourself, and I'll see you back on Thursday. Answering your DFS strategy questions, like I always do, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>